You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. All right, guys, it's Easter. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, in some ways, struggle with Easter um, just because I think sometimes we come to tradition and holiday with a lack of wonder. And so uh, my hope tonight is that we will talk about uh, Easter in a way that will make it alive and living and transformative to you and me as we are living our lives now uh, 2,000 years post-resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sound good? So Easter is about a narrative, a very strong narrative, a powerful narrative that Jesus authored, and it is about death and resurrection. All right, so we are here on the account of both Jesus' death and resurrection. We don't celebrate Sunday if it weren't for Friday. We don't celebrate Friday if it weren't for Sunday, right? There's a, a story that Jesus wrote, this narrative that he birthed on Good Friday to Easter morning of a death and a resurrection. And Easter is not just history. It's, it's actually still living. It is not just... Uh, this thing that we celebrate of what Jesus did, it's actually an invitation for me and you to join the narrative. God wants us to be actors in this great play, this story, this narrative, this drama of a death and resurrection. And Jesus' death and resurrection has huge implications for you and I. It was the inauguration of a new way of living life. It was a day of hope, a day of power, a day that changed what it means to be human. It gave us an opportunity to, do, to walk a different path. And so I want to talk tonight in a way that brings this alive and that this is not just some story we're rehearsing. This is a narrative that we're joining, and God actually desires us to become, our lives to become a reenactment of this death and resurrection story. Okay? You guys are like dead silent right now. Does that mean you're asleep? Are you like playing dead on me so that like God will resurrect you or something? All right, we got some laughter. Hopefully it'll shake you up a bit here. Okay, so death and resurrection. This is not just Jesus' story. He's actually wanting it to become our story. Deeper and deeper and more progressively in the midst of our lives. Our life is actually being oriented by God. That he's wanting us to join this powerful narrative that life comes out of death. The world needs people that don't just talk about what happened on Easter. But actually are living reenactments of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what Easter is about. It is an invitation to a story a powerful drama that won't just change your life, but it will change the world. And you sitting here in this room are proof of that fact. This death and resurrection is potent, powerful, transformative, and it is an invitation to live and become a part of this grand story. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's jump into this tonight. Just to give you a verse to kind of authenticate what I just told you, I'm not just making stuff up, is Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.10, he says, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. All right, so Paul saw himself as an actor reenacting this, this drama of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It was not just Jesus' story. It became Paul's story. Jesus wants it to become your story. He wants it to become my story. Right? So I've been thinking a lot about just the death and resurrection narrative, but particularly in uh, 
the realm of identity. So I don't want to talk about like all the implications because I don't think I'm that smart and I don't think I know the Bible well enough. But I do want to talk a particular aspect of what Jesus was reclaiming through his death and resurrection. And that is through the death and resurrection of what happened on Good Friday to Easter morning was that Jesus was reclaiming an ability for you and I to live a life of identity. Right? So identity. We, we have an identity. There is something about human beings. We fundamentally know that human beings, there's, we are somebody. Right? An identity is something we receive. Right? And in that, in that identity of who we are, right, we're all unique from one another and we know this. Right? And we look at a child. We, we can hold a baby in our arms and we know that there's something beloved about that baby. Right? They don't do anything. They're not earning it. They're not working for it. Right? Identity's not earned. It's not performed for. It's not, it's, not, it's not sought after. It's not about what we do. We have an identity in who we are. There's something we receive intrinsically in being human that we have an identity, and fundamentally that identity is beloved. It is worthy. It is valuable. There is a purpose. There is something significant about this human life. Right? We have an identity. We didn't work for it. We didn't do anything. We received it because we were created by God. Right? And Jesus is trying to reclaim through his death and resurrection the ability for human beings to live a life marked by identity and purpose. He wants us to live life as the beloved, not just as wandering to and fro, trying to figure out why we're here and who we are. He, he want us, wants us to live a secure, rooted life, knowing we are beloved, we are significant, we are valuable, we are worthy of goodness. Right? And we all know this. When we see a baby, when we hold a baby boy or a baby girl in arms, there's just something, right? Like anybody, you know this. When someone in the family, there's like a new nephew or a new grandkid, you know, someone has the baby, who dominates every party? Every, every holiday, every, every family get together, who dominates it? The most helpless, helpless needy person in the room. The person that can do the, the least gets the most attention. Why? Because there's something pure and beautiful that's, that's about, that, that's a, it's an identity, it's a human being. And it's like we can't help but lavish love upon it, right? So, but what happens is we have this identity, we know this, there's something about us when we're created. We're created for a reason, we're here for a purpose, we're not just a mishap, we're not just a, some sort of, you know, we just happened. We didn't just happen, we got created. Life is a miracle. We forget this sometimes in this modernity and all this science. We look at things like they're machines and mechanical. No, life is a miracle. How do our lungs keep breathing? How do our brains think? How does a human being get birthed? <laughs> It's a miracle, right? But here's the deal. We have this identity, but life is brutal. Right? And life, the brokenness of life, like waves that perpetually crash against the seashore, the brokenness of life just crashes and crashes and breaks and breaks and breaks and breaks upon humanity. The sin and the shame and the standards, the ideals of culture you'll never live up to, and the trauma of life, and the verbal abuse, and the sexual abuse, and the immoralities, and the temptations, and the avenues, and the shame, and the slander, and the manipulation, and all the broken junk of life just crashes, and crashes, and crashes, and crashes, and trauma upon trauma upon trauma, and there's pain, and these, these innocent 
Human beings, we all get birthed into this world, innocent and beautiful in the eyes of God. We're, we're handmade by him. He, we're divine poems where he spoke and crafted a unique identity that God absolutely adores. Somehow, through the breaking, the crashing of life, all of a sudden the pain comes. And then in the pain, we medicate with sin. And then because we medicated with sin, the shame heaps on that now you're just an irreversibly broken potential. And then the shame, we try to numb it. And we try to numb it with more sin and then it breeds more shame and then it's the cycle of sin and shame and pain and numbing and sin and shame and pain and numbing and we get so lost we don't know who we are anymore we look ourselves in the mirror we're trying to figure out you start hearing cultural things where everything's relative all of a sudden we don't even know what reality is actually your reality is just your reality I have my reality God is your God you have my God everything's subjective everything gets fractured everything is, is picked apart because deep down People don't know who they are. Everything is scary, and we can't slow down. we got to just keep on this track to try to figure out who we are and try to make us who we are based on what people think we are, based on what I can do, or based on what I can do, and I perform, and I have this facade and all this stuff, and we can't stop because if I dare stop, I'm afraid if I stop because I think underneath all of this, life is just cold and broken and gray, and I would rather perform and create some sort of color and vitality by what I can do and what I can say and, and try to prove myself and make myself seem buddy and try to be fulfilled in some capacity, but it's all just empty and broken. And deep down, the sin and the shame and the trauma and all the things we inherited and all the things that we did and all the things that were did to us, we just look at ourselves and we maybe not admit it, but there's something deep down that says you're just irreversibly broken potential. You started out so promising, and now I became this. But God, but God, but God, even though we were dead in all this sin, blind by our selfishness, blind by lust, literally unable to discern what was good and bad, sinning, doing stupid things, stupid th But God, in the midst of it all, because we were blinded by the prince of the world, but God, because he loved us, rich in grace, had so much mercy, he saved us, raised us up with Christ, seated us in him in heavenly places, so that for the ages to come, he could lavish the riches of his kindness in us and grace towards Christ Jesus, Right? His plan, hey, yeah, this is what you created, but I got a plan. I'm going to take you, I'm going to put you in Jesus. Who said that before? You know, you got an identity in Christ. Who said that? Like three of you? You guys still playing dead? <laughs> Who said this before? Right? Who's thought this before, right? We say this a lot, but sometimes we act like things are like kind of Houdini, like God's just like, hey, I have this black hat and... There's a rabbit. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, like I'm in Christ. Wow, that's amazing. Like, what does that mean? Right? God wants us to understand his ways. He doesn't withhold all of it. They're mystery. Sometimes hard, but God wants us to understand because when we understand things that we say, there's a lot more power to them. We actually are, we have in a paradigm, it's actually creating the world and then we can relate to it. Right? So when we say in Christ, we have an identity in Christ. It's like, okay, yeah, well, I did all this sin and then like, poof, God just like put me in Christ. And now I'm like, I'm all different. No, that's not how the story goes. It was in this place, God put you in Christ. But get this, right? So, you know Adam and Eve in the garden? Well, actually, no, just Adam. There's no Eve yet, right? Gosh, Adam, he's doing his thing. He's kind of lonely. God says, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. What does he do? 
He makes Eve. Thank you. He makes Eve, right? And what does he do to make Eve? It says he puts uh, Adam to sleep. A darkness comes over Adam. And then God actually comes and wounds him in a way and takes Eve from his side, from his rib. And he makes him a bride. Adam and Eve, they're bone of bone, flesh of flesh. They become one. They're, you know, Jesus... The bridegroom comes to take his bride too. And as he's hanging on the cross, he yields his spirit to the Father. And what do they do to him? They pierce his side. And what comes out of his side? Blood and water. How do we get saved? Through receiving cleansing through the blood and the baptism of water. Right? The blood and water flows from his side. He was making a way for his bride to come back into him. Meaning this, when Jesus died on the cross and was crucified, he didn't just get crucified for you. He was crucified as you. Because God's seen us, all our sin and shame. He actually took you in the midst of your depravity and your dead state in sin. Blind and endlessly on this carousel that was leading to nowhere. He took you. He put you in Christ. And you died. He died the death for you. He died as you. Think it's better, okay? So you, you die, and then he rose up in the power of an incorruptible life. And he rose not just for you, he rose as you. Meaning this, where is your identity? It is inside the resurrected King of glory, Jesus Christ. Right? Meaning this, through this, this narrative of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you have been redeemed from every effect of pain, sin, shame, all human brokenness. Your identity is unscathed by sin. It can't be touched by sin. It can't be marred by shame. It doesn't matter what you did or what you've done or what you did yesterday or what you'll do tomorrow or what happened to you and the trauma and your generational legacy. It doesn't matter. Your identity is inside Jesus. It can't be touched. It can't be abused. It can't be marred. It can't be tarnished. It can't be diminished. It's inside the power of an incorruptible life. The one who died conquered sin and death. Sin can't touch Jesus. You're inside of him. You should be really happy. <laughs> but this is why there's not an emotional response to that often. Because deep down, there's, a, there's an argument within us. Whether we're aware of it's conscious or subconscious, there's an argument. That's just an ideal. You're just preaching an ideal, Jordan. That's a fool's hope. Because when I look at the world, when I look at my own life, there are consequences. There are effects. The damage of sin is rampant. The abuse, the sex slave, all this. There's brokenness everywhere. Sin seems so powerful. How can you say that the death and resurrection of Jesus, I don't feel fully redeemed? Anybody? And I would say that that argument is birthed by those that don't yet understand and know the power of God. We have to know the power of God. You have these, these on your, your seats, they're beautiful. Shelby designed them. Lib put them together, a little collaboration there. It says this, Acts 4.33, And with great power, say great power. Great power. 
with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord. Right? The power of God's not like some suggestion. Sometimes we think like, oh, you know, I hope to see the power of God. No. Paul prays in Ephesians 1 that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light, that you'll literally get supernatural revelation, supernatural perspective, so that you can perceive the surpassing greatness of God's power towards you in Christ Jesus. The same power he used when he rose Christ from the dead. You need to know his power. We need to see his power because something shifts when you know the power of God. Right? This resurrection message is not just some history book. It is, it is the message of the power of God that rose a dead man from the grave. Right, let me demonstrate this for you. Two and a half weeks ago, I was in a little church, a little, a little house actually, in a slum. House is probably about as big as this piece of carpet. Walked in, there's a 15-year-old girl born deaf and who was mute. She could read lips and sign language. That's how she communicated. Her mom was a widow. Her name was Evangeline. We started praying. I had my, my hand on her, on, her, uh, on her left ear and another pastor had his hand on the other ear. I said, in the name of Jesus, deaf ear open. Prayed, the ear I was praying for open, we began snapping, she would respond, we were snapping, other ear was not open, prayed one or two more times, that ear opened, we began snapping, she began responding, and I said, honey, look at me, I said, can you say Jesus? 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 Jesus. Can you say Jesus? Jesus. Can you say Jesus? Jesus. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You say Jesus. Jesus, she starts speaking in front of my very eyes. I then said, you know, the next name she needed to say, can you say Jordan? <laughs> Jordan, she's saying my name. This girl had never heard a human voice and she was mute. And in front of her mother, in front of some of her relatives, she begins hearing and speaking because Jesus Christ is, was dead and he's alive forevermore and he was manifesting his power that he has to subject even over the natural realm. You know why this fires me up? Because it is a physical manifestation that I witnessed with my own eyes and I saw with my, heard with my own ears that Jesus is powerful. That sin has no sway on him. That he overcomes darkness and sickness and disease and sin and all these things. He is alive. Right? When you see the power of God, you recognize, oh, wow, my identity is not just in like, it's not just in Jesus, this really nice guy who is like so loving and he died on a cross. No, if Jesus just died on a cross and loved people, you're still in your sins and so am I. He is the resurrected, manifest, emanating King of glory that sin and sickness and disease and deafness and cannot touch. When it touches Him, it gets healed. When the impurity of life touches Him, it becomes pure. When lepers touch Him, leprosy goes away. That is where our identity is.
Your identity is in the most secure, powerful, incorruptible place in all of creation. Meaning this, Jesus' story of death and resurrection was not just meant to be his story. It was meant to be yours and mine. Because we were dead in our sins. And in that place of deadness, we were put in Christ, crucified with him, and raised again. So God can redeem anything. He will redeem everything. He, that is our story. It's not just his story. It's our story. He wants us to become living reenactments of this death and resurrection narrative. But so many people don't. So many Christians, it's not their story. So many Christians, I, 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 I had an experience of salvation. I came to the cross. But it never became my story. My life never became a living reenactment of this death and resurrection drama. Why? When Jesus, Jesus has a plan for your life. Right? He knows the plans he has for your life. Right? And, and the, the work of his kingdom, it's finished. Right? He hung on Good Friday. It is finished. Right? You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared when? In advance. It was done. Your life, the kingdom coming in and through your life, done. It is finished. Done. I brought the kingdom. I manifested your name. It is finished. All right, but, but here's the catch, okay? So here's your life. Imagine the length of this rug, okay? This is chronological time, right? Line, linear, beginning, end, okay? Time, chronological. There's another word for time in the Bible, kairos which is the word used for the inbreaking of God's kingdom. It's sovereign. It's different than chronological time. It's just there are moments where boom, kairos, 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 kairos. When Jesus said, it is finished, the preordained will of God, these kairos moments were deposited in your path, in your destiny. Between where you are and where you end on this life, there are a countless number of these kairos moments. It, they're done. They're done. It is finished. They're already ordained by God. Right? And here's the thing. In each one of these kairos moments, which you know you've had these, right? You, you look back on seasons, you're like, you know, in those six months, I grew like six years worth of development. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, I don't know what it is, but in the last six weeks, I have changed more than I did in the prior like year and a half, right? There's kairos moments where just think the kingdom comes. It's like time didn't matter. It's like you get a breakthrough that you're like, wow, I've been contending, it seems like for years of walking in this, but all of a sudden, boom, in a moment, things shift, things get pulled up, my life's not the same. You know what I'm talking about, right? Kairos, 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 kairos. This is what we live for, right? But there's the deal, in each kairos moment, the, the kairos, the inbreaking of God's kingdom, the, it, it comes through one narrative. What's the narrative? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Each kairos moment, when the kingdom is, is ordained, it is 
finished, ordained for you, for the kingdom to come in you and through you. It is another narrative. It is a deeper reliving of this same Easter story that Jesus died and rose again, and it's God's invitation. Now it's time for you to walk this journey and become an actor in it yourself, to not just talk about what Jesus did, but to live it, to, to breathe it, to overcome the odds, to see the impossible, to see the invisible, to watch life come out of dead things. It's your opportunity. It's your Kairos moment. Cross, death and resurrection, death and resurrection, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. So why do so many Christians, though we have an incorruptible identity that's located in the king of glory that can't be touched or manipulated by sin, why don't we become it? This is why. Because we get there and we go, oh, whoa. Whoa. There's a cross on Friday. I think I'll just rest down Thursday. Start praying Gideon's prayers. Hey, sun, stand still. <laughs> Thursday night, sun, stand still. I don't want good Friday. <laughs> I like Thursday. It's comfortable. Sun, stand still. Sun, stand still. And we just kind of just stay right here. Kairos right there. Another one there. Another one there. Another one there. But I'm good. So we stay stagnant. We stay right where we are. We're going to heaven. We're going to be saved. It's all good. <laughs> Except we don't become who we were created to be. We don't get the fullness of what he paid for when he shed his blood and said, it's done. Your life is written, and it is a beautiful drama that's going to bring my kingdom to the earth. So how do we make it our story? We just say yes. We say yes. We say, okay, God, yes, let me join this narrative. Let me be a disciple. Pick up my cross in the death and the resurrection. This is Paul. I always carry in my body the dying and the life of Jesus. He's praised it a different way in Philippians. This is such key language to Paul's ministry, to even understanding his ministry. Philippians, right? that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Easter wasn't just an event. It was Paul's life. It became his story. God wants it to become your story. He wants it to become my story. This is the most epic thing that we could ever join. It's becoming living reenactments of this grand Easter narrative of the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is also my death and resurrection, your death and resurrection, all of humanity's death and resurrection. And I guess it's like the reality is that on Easter Sunday, above every other day, it should be the day when we say, absolutely, <laughs> give me the cross. It's good Friday, right? It's good Friday. This, this temporal suffering will produce in us and through us an eternal weight of glory that we can't even imagine. Yeah, I'm all in on Easter Sunday. I want this story to be my story because you've compelled me, Lord. Amen? Isn't that good news? <laughs> Don't you want to become everything you were created to be? Isn't it good news that, that sin can't touch you? 
that shame can't mar your story, that your identity is secure. Jesus redeemed and reclaimed a life of identity for you and me, a life of purpose, a life of significance, a life of being the beloved. Amen? I'm going to invite you all to stand right now. If you're on the prayer team, you can come forward. And uh, I just, I believe tonight uh, is, a, is a Kairos moment for many people. And uh, tonight, Jesus is inviting many of us, many of you, to say yes to embracing this narrative, saying, yes, I want my story, I want my life to be about this, this drama, this narrative of your death and resurrection. And for some of you, this may uh, be the first time that you've ever made this decision. It may be like your first Kairos moment where you say, yeah, uh, I, 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 wanna, I wanna walk with you, Jesus. I wanna join your story. Um, that's happened in earlier services tonight, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but I also sense that for many of you, this is a moment where you recognize, yeah, I have been, uh, I've been sitting on a Thursday here for quite a while, afraid to go to Friday. And God's saying, hey, it's time to let that sun set on Thursday, enter into a good Friday, a hard Friday maybe, right? But in, embrace the Kairos because you're going to get to Sunday. Life comes out of death. And for some of you, it's like, this is just, this is your moment. This is like, okay. Uh, and I just feel like there's space right now. We're going to have a time of worship and a time of ministry. And I just want everyone, you can close your eyes right now. And if you say, yeah, Jordan, this is my moment tonight. Um, I just want you to raise your hand. It's not about what you're saying to me. It's what you're saying to God. You're saying, yes, Lord. This is my moment. I'm grabbing hold of it. It says that as the apostles were sharing the testimony of the resurrection of the Lord with great power, that great grace was upon them all. And so right now, God... I pray that every person in this room, God, but especially those that have raised their hand, God, that abundant grace come upon them. Lord, that you just, you just fall upon them, Spirit of God, that you will catalyze and do a work within them, God, that this will truly be a Kairos moment where the inbreaking of your kingdom comes. God, that this will be a season that they're ushered into of such a deep and rich transformation. Lord, where you just further this work that you've begun in their lives. We have a prayer team forward, and if you raise your hand, I want you to come down and receive prayer. We don't do this often, but just tonight, I just feel like this is, this is your moment. I want you to seize it. And I just want you to come down and just receive prayer from a member of the team. And we're going to... We're going to go into worship in this time, and you're, 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 you're free to leave whenever um, you desire to leave, but just engage with God. Some of you, this is, this, is, this is a big moment. This is a holy moment. This is an Easter moment for you, and I just want you to just stay as long as you need to stay. The prayer team's going to pray as long as we need to pray, and we're going to have time of worship, and you can just stay and engage with God. If you, uh, if you need to go, you're free to go, but Jesus, we just say this is all for you. 
We just love you, Jesus. We are so in awe of this story you authored, this Easter narrative of your death and resurrection. We thank you that it is still speaking today, that it is still living today. God, that it is an inauguration of a new way of doing life and that you have invited us more deeply into this story tonight, God. We want your story to be our story. God, it was not just your death and resurrection. It was our death and resurrection. And we worship you. We worship you, God, that our sin was not the end of our story, that our death is not the end of our story, but you've brought us new life. And so, God, with hearts of gratitude, we sing a song of the redeemed tonight, God. We are your redeemed, and we worship you, and we magnify you, and we bless you, and we praise you with redeemed hearts and redeemed lips, God. We come to you in the purity that you imputed through your resurrection life. And we say, Jesus, we adore you, God. We worship you, God. And we bless your holy name tonight. Thanks for listening to the River House podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.